Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum, where we talk to thought leaders that are changing lives and businesses. So I want to thank our sponsors for this episode. As you guys know, our sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the time. Brand new company coming out called Soldier Girl Coffee. You guys need to check it out. Um, by this, when this gets released, it will be available. So check them out, Soldier Girl Coffee. It'll be in the show notes. Guys, today I have a very special guest. Uh, this gentleman has done some amazing things in uniform, but he's doing some amazing things out of uniform and helping people get back on track financially. Because, you know, in the military, they say if you don't have a divorce, a DUI, and if you're not bankrupt, you didn't have a good deployment. So uh, a lot of us get out of the military and we're in deep trouble financially. Our friend Trevor Maxwell is going to help us out today. Hey, brother, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Glad I could uh, hop on here with you. Yeah, so what's going on today? Uh, You know, typical Friday, uh, everything is upside down, underwater, and on fire. Um, Just, you know, had to do school marm duty with the kids in the morning and uh, still go squeeze in a workout. So it's just an average day then? Yeah, pretty much. It's what know, state are you in? Uh, Virginia, Suffolk, Virginia, more specifically. Uh, so nice. you get some snow? No, it's a funny story about that. Last night I was looking at weather bug. That's where I get my weather from. And I told my wife, I was like, oh, it's going to snow. And she's like, no, it's not. And so, you know, it didn't snow last night. It just rained and it's cold. And she's like, how was that snow this morning? <laughs> and, yeah, we got like a total of like three feet in the last week, so we're getting snow like every other day here in Jersey. So yeah, well, I get I'm getting a great workout. Yeah, when I you know I grew up in West Virginia, we used to, we get snow like that a lot. Uh, so you know, to me, it's not that big of a deal. But where I live in this area, like the Norfolk Virginia Beach area, if there's a quarter inch to a half inch of snow on the ground, this place gets shut down. Yeah, my son is actually was actually looking at a WVU for college. Oh, nice! Yeah, I, I grew up about fifteen miles south there in uh, in Fairmont, which is also the the birthplace of uh, two other great Americans, Mary Lou Retton and Nick Saban. And uh, yeah, my sister actually is going to WVU right now. Uh, she's been going there for eleven years now, twelve years. She's a dentist, so nice. All right. So now, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about your past and then we're going to talk about what you're doing now. Um, you know, because a lot of people, um, a lot of veterans, um, this, and a lot of veterans are going to listen to this and be promoted everywhere. Um, they'll listen to another veteran more than they will listen to somebody that's never put on the uniform. So now what state did you grow up in and what kind of kid? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, like I said, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, I was, uh, I don't know, I guess I was kind of a bored kid, you know, so I didn't do well in school. I found myself getting in a lot of trouble. And um, right around when I was, you know, my mom used to threaten me all the time. She'd be like, I'm going to send you to military school. And then one day she got this package, like she was trying to go full effect and be like, I'm going to scare him into thinking I'm going to send him to military school. So she got this recruiting package from this military school and she's like, watch this tape. And I watched it and I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I was like, I want to do it. And, and then it backfired on her. So she was like, well, shit. Right. Cause it also cost $8,000 a year. And, uh, so it didn't work out the way she thought it was. Yeah. Back, it backfired on her, but you know, I just started getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, we found this program, uh, that's run by the army national guard and there's programs like this all over the country. It's called the challenge Academy or challenge program. That, that one specifically was the Mountaineer Challenge Academy in, um, in West Virginia. And basically, it's like six months of boot camp. Um, you live in a barracks. You have, you know, they called them squad leaders at the time. They were kind of like drill instructors. They used to yell at you a lot. And we had to do the marching and all the military stuff. And, and then you also went to school, too. And then at the end of it, uh, you take the test to get your good enough diploma, uh, which I did, the GED. And, and, you know, they, they 
that program has expanded uh, significantly. They have all kinds of stuff there now. And it's a fantastic program for, you know, maybe some some kids age 16 to 18 whose whose life isn't going in the right direction. It's a good course corrector. Um, and, you know, that program there, I actually credit with kind of, you know, putting me back on track to where I wanted to be. And so, you know, I, it was awesome for me. I got the opportunity to go back there, uh, was it last year, and, and teach um, you know, I, I work in financial services now and I teach a lot about just basic here. Here's how not to be an idiot with your money. And so to me, that was super fulfilling, right? Um, getting to go back there and do that. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And, but anyways, yeah, so I got done with that and I realized like, Hey, you know, I could stay here in West Virginia and probably go back to doing the same stuff or I could get out of here and go do something else. Um, I got really excited being around all those, you know, those guys were all Gulf War veterans, all my instructors there. And I was like, cool, I want to join the Marine Corps and, and be an infantryman. And, uh, you know, my family was all mad because they were like, you scored, you know, you got did really good on the ASVAB. And, and um, all these people were like, oh, he could go do whatever he wants in the military. I just wanted to go in the Marine Corps and be a grunt. Um, which is what the opposite of most people that get a good as, as VAB scored up. Yeah. Well, it's, I'll get to that in a second. I think there's a, there's a correlation there, um, you know, between some character traits that I think I had and, and, you know, some of the units that I've gotten to work with in the military. But anyways, you know, I let my family talk me into going under what they call the AECF, uh, program, the advanced electronic computer field, I became a fire controlman, which, you know, all the missiles and radars and stuff, you, you maintain all that equipment. And, you know, I did that and it was okay. I was on the USS Enterprise. Actually, when 9-11 occurred, we were on our way back from our first deployment and we got turned around and, and you know, us and the Theodore Roosevelt, we were the first two uh, aircraft carriers to, you know, respond to 9-11. So you joined the Navy. Yep, yep, yep. Joined the Navy. Um, you know, at the, the ripe old age of 17 and it's, uh, you, you know, still wet, still wet behind the ears. Yep. So I, you know, but at the same time, like before I joined, I was always, you know, talking tough, like a, you know, a super, uh, you know, like a 17 year old with all their life experience does like, man, I want to jump out of planes and shoot people. And, and, you know, I, I was hanging around these older veterans and these guys were just looking at me like, who's this dipshit? And uh, sorry for the potty language. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know, I, I was still very motivated to, to go jump out of planes and blow stuff up. And, and, you know, so I was there on the Enterprise. And that's when I came across uh, these Navy EOD techs. And I had never really heard of that. I was like, what is that? And they were like, yeah, that's EOD guys. And, you know, I started doing some research on it. And I was like, oh, man, that looks like a cool job. And so my second deployment there on the Enterprise, uh, you know, I just walked up to them on deployment. And I was like, hey, man, how do I do that? And, and the guy was like, what? And I was like, I want to I be an EOD tech. And so, you know, he helped me put my package together. I PT'd with him every day. Uh, you know, in the hangar bay, the enterprise, uh, to get in shape. And, um, yeah, you know, that, that kind of started me on that path. And, you know, eventually I went through dive school, UD school and all the follow on training. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I, how I got to where I was. And, you know, I've talked to a couple of your EOD guys and, and, you know, and I consider them friends, but I also consider them kind of twisted. Yeah. But, you know, you know like I, I was a tanker, but, you know, I always wanted to be on the, the mine plow. You know, I just I just love that shit. So uh, you did 12 years, over 12 years, correct? Well, I did 20 years. Um, I retired in 2018, uh, tw 20 years and four months. So, so now, obviously, if you were an EOD, uh, you got your bell rung a couple times. 
Yeah, uh, several times. Uh, you know, a lot of it was in training, but, you know, I had been in some vehicles that got rocked by some IEDs, been close to lots of explosions, breaches. Um, in Afghanistan, uh, you know, I was doing the VSO mission where we went and, you know, I was attached to a SEAL platoon, and we were in this the vso mission is basically they'd send all these special operations teams into these villages and they live with the people and the intent was is it's you know what had happened is you know these troops would go talk to these village elders or whatever and then as soon as they would leave the taliban would come back and shake them down and and tell them you better not be cooperating with americans and so the, you know, the theory behind this is like, well, what if we just never left? What if we just lived in the village with these people? Um, that way we're always there, you know, to keep the Taliban away. And um, so that happened. But what had also happened was that the Taliban just started attacking all these sites all the time. And people that lived in the villages moved out, <laughs> you know, at least at least where we were at. But uh yeah, we used to get contacted. They would light us up four or five times a day. And, uh, you know, they were terrible with rifles, but they were really good with those grenade launchers. And so that was, you know, I was sitting in a chair taking a nap one day, and uh, we had one land inside our compound, and like five of us, five or six of us ended up getting medevaced from it. But uh, I was really lucky because an hour before that, I was laying in my cot. And, uh, the sun was shining through the shade structure, like right in my face. So I was like, I got to get up and, and go somewhere else. So I went inside one of the huts and I was sitting in a chair. I got really lucky because that grenade that tagged me and those other dudes, uh, actually landed right next to my cot. Like <laughs> had I, had I still been laying there, I, I would have got turned into Swiss cheese, but, um, yeah, that was, you know, that there was that tons of explosions. Really, a lot of that stuff came from training. I just, uh, my own podcast that I did, uh, you know, I was talking to a guy, you know, who had also spent some time in some of those uh, more elite units. He talks about that, too. He's like, dude, the, the unit I was at, the guys that had the most problems were the breachers because we're training. We're doing these breaches all the time, and guys are, you know, exposed to these blasts, uh, these blast exposures all the time. And it just has that cumulative effect, uh, kind of similar to like the, the issues that the NFL was having with the CTE. I don't know how to say the word, so I'm not going to, so I maybe save some face there. But, uh, you know, when I was getting out and doing all my TBI PTSD type screening, uh, they said, Hey, here's the deal. You have tons of sub concussive events, but you haven't had like a single acute event where you were knocked unconscious. So we can't right now designate or, you know, uh, diagnose you with TBI, but you know, there he's like, we just don't have the data to support the, the science yet on that. And I, I was like, well, what about all the, you know, the data that the NFL has been gathering or maybe they haven't been gathering over the years? He's like, yeah, we just haven't done studies on service members yet. And I was like, well, you just missed a, you know, about a 20 year window of opportunity to, to take care of that. Um, uh, but I guess, you know, since I've retired, there has been some stuff uh, published on that. Some studies that have been completed where they have looked at that. Right now. You know, I've interviewed on my my other podcast, and this now this one. I've interviewed hundreds of veterans now, and when they get out of the military, you know, they find that number one is they miss the camaraderie. You know, they miss their 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 shipmates, they miss their their platoons. You know, second, they miss their mission, and you know, a lot of them don't have a plan when they get out, and a lot of them, like myself, when I got out. You know, I didn't have a financial plan. I was just one day I was in the military, the next day I'm out, and I'm like, oh, oh crap, what now? I got to go find a, another career. So, uh, what was your transitioning like out of the military? So, mine was, you know, a little more intentional. I mean, I had been in, you know, I, I retired. I didn't just one day say, hey, I'm going to get out. But, um, you know, I think I made the decision about 14 months before my time was up. Um, so, you know, I put some, a little thought behind it. 
Um, it was kind of weird, you know, as far as my first job that I got out, I went to go, you know, talk to this financial advisor to help me get ready for retirement. And, you know, a lot of EOD tech seals, Rangers, Green Berets, a lot of them get out and go get those contracting jobs. And, you know, some of them have to go overseas again. They pay really well, but it's like, you're not really, uh, changing, <laughs> changing what you were doing. I just, you know, for me, I was like, Hey, I don't know what I want to do when I get out of the military. I just, I know two things, right? I don't want to work for the government anymore. And I want to do something where I can still do some good stuff for all the folks that are still going down range. And so this financial advisor, uh, it turns out like I, I ran in, you know, the first time we met, I was like, Oh wait, we went to high school together. And <laughs> so that was kind of crazy. But uh, he actually lived right over the hill from me in, in West Virginia, or, you know, maybe I should say holler or something. To, <laughs> but uh, anyways, he he said, hey, you know, you don't really know what you want to do. And he's like, you seem like you really like this stuff because we're having these meetings. And I'm having this lots of back and forth with him taking interest in this stuff. He goes, maybe you should come work with me. And I was like, OK, yeah, I mean, that that satisfies my two criteria. I'm not working for the government and I can still do something that, you know, I think provides some good for people. And, uh, you know, so I called him a couple weeks later and I was like, Hey man, how does that, how would that look like if I came and worked with you? And he, you know, he, I kind of caught him off guard. He's like, are, are you serious? Because I was kind of half joking, but he's like, if you're really interested, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, so, you know, that's, I was like, all right, well, I'll start working on all this stuff and, and, uh, it was one of those deals where I didn't really get a whole lot of guidance on like how to focus on what was really important and, you know, all the stuff that I thought was important I came to find later really wasn't as important as I thought it was. Um, but, you know, to kind of to go back to your question there, right, that they miss the camaraderie and they miss the mission. I think that that's probably one of the most important things for a person going through transition is that they they find another, you know, thing to give them purpose, right? I, I think that's a, a big part of the problem while we have so many issues uh, with veterans today is you had these people that were, had this very intense sense of purpose and then it gets taken away from them. And that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with. You know, it's not easy for anybody. And, and so, you know, I think it, it gets coupled by another problem, especially for the guys that were careerists that, that did 20 years and retired or 30 years and retired is I, I've seen it before. There's a lot of people out there who seem to want to tie their identity to what it is that they used to do for a living. And it's, you know, it can, it can be hard to, to let go uh, because that was a, a huge part of your life. Right. But if you can't come to that understanding of like that part of your life is over now, right now you need to focus on what's ahead. Like your life, I turned 38 a week after I retired. My life was nowhere near over, um, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, I got the whole rest of my life now. What, what do I do with, with the next 30 or 40 years? Um, and so, you know, I, I found something that I liked to do, um, and, you know, I just dug into it. And now, you know, a few years later, I'm, I'm coming up on my three-year mark for retirement. I'm doing something that I like to do. Um, you know, I, I have that intense sense of purpose still. And, you know, what I do, I still stay connected with all my buddies. I mean, I think, you know, to, to kind of hit on that when guys say, oh, I miss all of my friends, it's like, what are you guys doing to, you know, staying connected is a two-way street. Um, you can't, <laughs> you can't just, you know, say, hey, why aren't you guys calling me anymore? It's like, well, you know, when you were in the military, you saw these guys every day. It was easy to stay connected with them. It, it takes a little more effort after that. And you have to be more intentional with that. You can't just um, get mad because guys aren't calling you all the time. They're, they're not calling you because they don't, they don't see you every day like they used to, but that doesn't mean you can't still stay in touch with them. Well, you know, like my friend, uh, 
you know, said, you know, um, once you leave the military, and I'm going to use a curse word, which I normally don't use on my show, but it's my show, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, once you leave the military, the military don't give a shit about you. Once you step off base, that's a wrap. Yeah. And and usually the phone will stop ringing once because, you know, out of sight, out of mind is so, so true in the military. So, and, you know, a lot of times I've been talking to a lot of people, you know, they have problems finding jobs because when they do a resume, you know, they uh, include so many acronyms that, you know, people are just tossing their resume be like, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know what it means. So I'm just going to put it to put it to the bottom. Do you, do you see the same thing when you talk to people, you know, when they're looking for work that they don't know how to, you know, say if you were like me, I was a tank commander. You know, if I tell them I was shooting one one oh five millimeter rounds down range, that doesn't mean anything to a Fortune five hundred company. Yeah. But if you tell them that you were in charge of um, you know, six soldiers making sure all their equipment was taken care of and all that stuff, it makes it seem more applicable to the civilian sector. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's just like a, a learning some new lingo, really. It's it's and and the good thing is is it's getting better because there's a ton of people out there who do a lot of coaching and stuff with that specifically. Um, I've met tons. I so one of the things I do I I coach um, for the Honor Foundation, which is a nonprofit. It was started uh, you know by the Navy SEAL Foundation, and basically what they do is they go way above and beyond like the traditional uh, DOD sponsored courses. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I try not to slam those courses because I, I think they leave some stuff to be desired, but at the same time, they have finite amount of resources. Like they do the best they, they can with what they have. Um, it's just that there's, there's a lot more that really encompasses, uh, you know, a successful military transition than what they can cram into one week. Um, and, and, you know, they have a lot of, there's 200,000 people that get out of the military every year. So it's not an easy task to make sure that they all get some kind of, you know, some sort of formal training for that. But anyways, uh, to get back to this, like the Honor Foundation, that's, that's a very intense program. It costs a lot of money for, for people to do that. So their, their throughput is very limited, but the people who go through it get very intense. They get coaching, they get all this education and, and resources available to them. And, and the resume thing is huge. Like that's, uh, for people who want to go out and get a job somewhere, um, the resume is part of, uh, you know, that whole process of getting a new job. And and I think the problem of it is like people look at it as like, I do my resume and that's it. It's done. Like, no, dude, this is, this is a sh- constantly shifting strategy. That's what your resume is. Your resume is something that you submit to a company. And it's going to get screened by software to make sure it has keywords and all the stuff that they're looking for in it. Um, and that's the, the goal of the resume is to get you an interview, <laughs> right? The interview is like really where you, you get the job. The resume is just how you get your foot in the door. So it's important to understand how to communicate your value uh, on that resume um, so that you can get the opportunity to go in there and, you know, maybe, maybe actually seal the deal with, with an interview. Um, so, you know, understanding that stuff, understanding, Hey, how do the skills that I have in the military translate over to something that would, that would make me a good ideal candidate for this job in the the civilian sector. So part of that is understanding like what it is that you want to do and, and seeking that stuff out. I think, one of the big problems is that a lot of people just get out and they just want a job. They don't care what it is. They just need a job and they'll figure it out after that. Well, if you do that, you're going to constantly find yourself in that spot again and again and again, because you're going to be like, I hate this job. I'm just going to go get this other job until I find one that I really want. You're going to keep compromising and you're going to find (laughs) that you've, you know, because you didn't want to put forth the time and effort to do it right. Uh, 
you know, the first time that you're constantly going to be backpedaling and, and trying to keep your head above water instead of, you know, enjoying what you really want to do. Um, now, you know, a lot of, now we're going to get into doing what you, what, you know, we're going to talk about what you do mm-hmm. now, you know, of course, you know, when you're in the military, no matter how many years you get, you are in, um, whether it's four years, whether it's 20 years, you know, we all say that we're hardcore who, who, but you know, we are, we do get kind of coddled because we know we're getting paid on the first and the 15th. We know we're getting 30 days paid leave vacation. We know we're going to have three hots in a cot. We know we got TRICARE. And then when we get out, it's like, oh, sh- crap. Uh, I don't have TRICARE anymore. I don't have any health insurance anymore. I have nothing anymore. So what do you do to, to help people that are transitioning out of the military to help get them on strong financial footing? Yeah, so um, I, I guess it's it's – it's not just one single thing. It's, it's kind of a process, you know, I like the the coaching thing. So I guess the first thing is helping them find, define first, define what success is for them and then go out and and seek that. Um, That's just kind of the way that I look at it because, you know, I, I, you know, for me, I, I think it's important to not just go out and do, anything it's sometimes you may get in a position where it's like hey man i gotta do what i gotta do but you know the thing is is one of the big reasons that i see this happening because i i work really i work with a lot of career military who are retiring and so they're in a little bit better position because they still have the tricare like they'll still get all that stuff they'll have a pension and and mva disability for the people that are just getting out you're right that's a lot tougher because maybe you get va disability but you're not going to have a pension uh, you're probably not going to have TRICARE. You can use the VA medical system for certain things, depending on whatever your VA disability rating is, but that might not bridge the gap. Um, so really, you know, for me, um, working as a financial advisor, like what I do, you know, so I'll backpedal on that. That that wasn't initially a success for me, Um that took me a while. A lot of people get out and they think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go make you know $200,000 a year doing this. That's not what happens. And I, I found that out the hard way. Um, because I didn't focus on the right stuff and learning the right things and the best way to do them, I think my first two years out of the Navy, I made a grand total of about $40,000, um, which people only go, oh, that's not too bad. I'm like, and I had my retirement disability which pay my bills and stuff that enabled me to kind of, you know, struggle along. I, I say struggle. I wasn't struggling by any means, but, um, you know, I wasn't, I hadn't achieved that level of success that I thought I was going to. Right. It was, it was, it was kind of disheartening a little bit. Like when you get out and you have like all these plans, like I want to go out and do this and this and this, and then that stuff doesn't happen. And, so, you know, it took a little bit of time for me to kind of take a look at, at where I was at and where I wanted to be and, uh, you know, focus on, like, how do I improve my situation? So, you know, I was lucky enough, too, that I have some alternate streams of income. I have, like, real estate investments and, and things like that. So I was I was a little better off than probably a, a lot of other people who may have gotten into that situation. Um, as far as like what I do realistically, I, I learned what was important and I started being more intentional in my practice, uh, as you know, in the business working as an advisor. And so I thought, okay, I love teaching people. Um, I, I still do that. I, I sit down and do counseling with people whenever they need it. Um, I have buddies of mine that are still in the military. He's like, Hey man, one of my guys is is, uh, you know, having some issues, would you mind having a chat with him? And, and I'm like, yeah, man, you know, let me know, you know, I can't, you know, you can't force him to talk to me because I'm not, you know, fleet and family services or one of those places. Uh, but if, if the guy wants to talk with me, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help him out and, and put him on the right track. Cause I think that's, you know, you were talking about the, the loss of camaraderie and stuff. Um, you know, I, I see that too. And I'm like, okay, I can still do some, I can still do something to maybe help keep the spirit of that alive a little bit. So, 
Um, I love doing the education peeps, teaching stuff uh, about basic personal finance, right? Hey, here's why you shouldn't take your re-enlistment bonus and go blow it all on a brand new car that's going to be worth 20% of what it is today, you know, three or four years from now, right? And, you know, I was joking and talking with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, we're talking about exactly what we're talking about is, you know, like when I was deployed, you know, I would be working the gates and I would see a brand new truck or a brand new car pull up and it's usually an E1 or an E2 driving it. And then right behind it is an old beat up car, you know, or just a late model car. And it's a Sergeant Major. You can, or it's a, you can tell who just got back from deployment. Yep. And then, you know, if you follow them back, one is going back to the barracks. The other one's going back to his brand new home. So it's kind of like, you know, they don't teach you finances in the military. And that's how, you know, there's a reason why every, um, you know, every base has titty bars, pawn shops and car lots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because they don't talk to you about that. It's, you know? it's funny that you mentioned that. So right outside of the main gate to Eglin Air Force Base, that's where EOD school is, is Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. There's a strip club called the Matador, and it is pretty much exactly what you would expect from a strip club in in the northern panhandle of Florida. And, uh, you know, one of the things that all the classes do when they go through EOD school, the Navy classes anyways, is that they they make all these class T-shirts. And and, uh, if you don't know this, like the EOD badge that we wear, they call it the crab because it kind of looks like a crab if you look at it. So... One of my favorite class t-shirts was, uh, it said C4 or the Matador. We ain't leaving here without crabs. <laughs> but, the yeah, no, that's, you know, there's basic stuff about that, 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 you know, I go over with people where it's like, Hey, look, man, if I'm going to work with you, because I'm, you know, when I first got into the financial services industry, I was you know, under the illusion that I could make anybody a client. And and I came to realize over a couple of years that that was a terrible strategy for things. And so now, you know, I'm to the point where I've, I'm successful enough and I, you know, I can, I can kind of read a situation enough to where it's like, I'm, when I, when I talk to a new client or a person, I try to disqualify them as quickly as I can, because if I'm not a good fit for them, I'm not going to do them any service by working with them. Um, they probably need, you know, maybe they need something else besides like what I do or, or, you know, I just don't want to waste either of our time, uh, you know, going through all this stuff with them and then they don't do any of it. Right. Because a mentor of mine really drove this home for me. He's like, look, man, if you go work with somebody and you can't convince them to do like the things that you recommend them to do, he's like, are you really helping them at all? And I was like, no, I'm not. And so that was, that was a, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of a, an epiphany for me. I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's when I got to the point and I was like, you know what? I need to, to make sure that if I'm going to work with somebody that what I'm going to do is going to stick with them and that they're actually going to do this stuff because otherwise they're not going to be successful. And then maybe later on they'll be like, this guy didn't do shit for me. He sucks. Uh, so, you know, I became a lot more intentional about what it is I am and what I do. And I was, a, I wasn't afraid to talk about some of the things I was afraid to talk about with people when they came in. Like, you know, how do I get compensated for stuff? Um, you know, why do I, what's my philosophy on everything? How do I normally, you know, what does my process look like? Um, now I, I get all that stuff out up front and I'm like, Hey, here's how this works. I'm like, you know, that being said, do you still think it makes sense for us to, you know, go any further with this? And, if the- and you know, you know, I have my, you know, I, I'm also a coach also. And people don't realize, you know, like when I when I first started getting, you know, everything straight, it's been 10 years now. You know, my credit when I moved to New Jersey, I had $50 in my pocket and clothes on my back. And my credit score was like 400. And now, 10 years later, you know, my credit score is in the high 800s. Um, but it takes time. You know, it didn't take 10 minutes to screw up your credit 
and to screw up your finances, it's not going to take 10 minutes to fix your credit or finances. Yeah. You know, so yet, you know, I, you also explain to people that it's going to take, you got to work. It's going to take yes, work. That's, that's yeah. something else that I try to make abundantly clear to them. And I say, look, this isn't just me doing all this stuff for you. It's going to require effort on your part. And if you drag your feet on, uh, you know, if you don't make this a priority in your life, then I'm not going to make you a priority in my business. Um, I, I am very clear about that because it's, it's like, man, I, I run four separate businesses right now. And, you know, I have kids. I have a family. I'm teaching school in the mornings. You know, my wife and I go back and forth between helping the kids with school. So it's like I don't have time to waste on people that, that don't want to help, you know, improve their own situation. And, you know, so it's tough. But, you know, as far as like how it works, realistically, the first thing you want to do is make sure that somebody is healthy, that they're in a good spot, that they, you know, are not, uh, you know, in a spot where their their expenses exceed their income and they, you know, have all this, this you know, bad stuff going on, like, um, because there's some, there are some people where I'm like, look, what, what you need right now isn't me. What you need is, is this, and I'm going to put you in touch with somebody who I know and trust that I think will take care of you. And, and he, you know, maybe it is something that they're, you know, it's something I could do, but I know somebody else who does it better. Um, I, you know, me personally, I have the integrity to tell them like, I could do this for you, but I know somebody else who, who would be a better fit. Let me contact them and, and see if I can get you on their calendar because it's, it's just, I'm not doing you a service by, um, <laughs> by, you know, handling this, this, whatever business it is that you have. So there's the health piece, making sure they're in a good spot. Um, you know, once they're in that good spot, you know, maybe, the second piece is education, like teaching them about some basic stuff like, hey, here's, you know, like I said before, here's why you don't want to blow your reenlistment bonus on a car. Um, here's, you know, here's why you want to have um, the proper amounts and the right types of insurances. So, you know, that's a big one. Like a lot of people don't think about car insurance, right? Well, you know, what if you go rear end a, a Mercedes with four attorneys all going out to lunch and they all get out holding their necks, right? Is your insurance going to take care of that? Uh, you know, so it's, if not, then you might want to go back and look at that. So, and, and then the other piece with that, the estate planning, like if, if the unexpected happens or if, if things don't go according to plan, you know, what's your plan to deal with that? Cause you, you know, a lot of people in the military kind of can relate to that, the contingency planning, right? Every time we do something, we always have contingencies. Like when we would go out on target, um, you know, you didn't have just one frequency for everything. You, you always had a backup frequency. You always had two or three HLZs if somebody had to get medevaced or, it, you know, it's not, <laughs> you're planning for things to go wrong, right? So that's, that's another big part of the, the strategy is, is building in contingencies. And then the other piece is like, all right, well, what's, how do we move forward from here? Right. What are the steps we take to start building, um, building success? And because, you know, I, I try not to say build or create wealth because that's, what does that mean? Right. I, I, it's, it's something different for everybody. So I look at like, what does success look like for you? Um, and, you know, it's part of that is that gets the wheels in their head turning and, and they think about like, oh, OK, well, you know, I, th I think this is what it looks like for me. I, I try to get them to visualize what that looks like first so that we can figure out how to get there. Now, if somebody wants to get in touch with you. How do they get in touch with you? Where can they find you? So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Trevor C. Maxwell. Um, I, the company I work with, U.S. Vet Wealth, you can go on our website, usvetwealth.com. On there, you know, as far as like from a practice standpoint, really we're very intentional about, um, especially military retirees, military transition. Um, you know, the, the two big answers or questions that we try to answer on there is like, hey, is survivor benefit plan a good deal for me? 
and you know what do i do with my tsp after i retire um because those are i i know from a experience like hey those are two big questions that people were getting out of the military um have and so we just said hey you know what we'll create a ton of content around those two things and i'm not you know i'm i hate cheesy ass salespeople. i can't stand them i had a bad experience with one last weekend going to look at a car <laughs> and uh but, you know, so I try to steer clear of that. I, I put stuff out there if people like my solution or, or what we think is the way to do it and they want to chat with me, that's fine. Otherwise, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time reaching out to people that I, I know don't want to talk to me. Um, but the resource is there, right? All the information is there for people that want to go look at it. And, you know, if all it is is they maybe they come away a little bit better educated on something, then then great. And if, if they say, hey, you know what, I want to talk to these guys some more than, hey, even better. But then I, I kind of got past that, like I said, like, oh, this person came and checked me out. I'm going to start pitching them a bunch of crap that they maybe don't even want. Um, so, yeah, those, those are the two best places to, to contact me. Um, one of the other things, uh, Richard, and, and you and I talked about this before, uh, I started a podcast uh, called the Get to Vet podcast and you know that was kind of a weird thing how that started you know i work with tons of people who are getting out of the military so i've invested a significant time amount of time and effort into learning about all this different stuff around military transition because that's when i went through that that was a very stressful time for me and you know i kind of was like all right well this is a good sense of purpose is to maybe help lessen that stress for other people who are going through it um but, you know, over the last few years, I've accumulated a bunch of knowledge about this, just talking to so many different people. And my buddy, Mike, who's who's about to retire, uh, he and I were, were chatting one day at Buffalo Wild Wings. We were watching a WVU game and uh, <laughs> we, they went into overtime. So after about seven tall boys, we came up with the idea for this podcast where it's like, let's get a bunch of people who are transitioning or who have already transitioned the opportunity to come on this podcast and talk about their experiences and things that they've gone through and, and share that information with other people. And cause one thing that I've learned is like, since I've gotten out, vets love to help other vets. Um, yep. That's why. I, yeah. I do. And that's, that's why we started the podcast and that's been awesome. I have people now texting me all the time and they're like, Hey man, I just listened to your podcast. That was awesome uh very cool blah 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 i have people telling me stuff so one of the things i'm working on right now is creating a bunch of content there for the linkedin page and putting it out just you know sharing the wealth uh, i would love to be on yeah show. well that's uh, i i definitely want to have you on there too because like you said he's like i don't get why uh people with podcasts won't have other podcasters come on their show and i'm like yeah that's that's kind of dumb like why wouldn't you um we're all because we're all you know we just we may be in different boats but we're all in the same ocean yeah and if you know and, and you know somebody that listens to me might not listen to you normally but because you're on the show you know we're both going to be able to hit different the same audience just different ways that talking you know it's something you might say might tickle somebody's ear better than if i said something yeah and it's good. You know, it was funny too, because like when we started it, Mike and I were just sitting there like, man, I don't know. It's kind of scary. He's like, I hate the sound of my voice when I hear it played back to me. And <laughs> so then we started doing it and, and somebody reached out and they told me they were like, dude, you have a really good voice for podcasting. I was like, shut up. You're whatever. You're not, you're lying. And <laughs> Well, that means you got face. Yeah, for radio. well, it's, you're not the first person that's told me that. Funny, funny story about that. I had the. Uh, this was I don't know, 15 years ago. I was dating this girl, and she was like looking, flipping through this magazine, and it had something about the hottest guys or whatever, uh, a hot guy scale. And I was like, "Where would I rank on that?" And she's like, "You wouldn't." <laughs> I was, I was like, bitch. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's not that you're not what, a, you know, you're not hot. And she goes, if I had to describe you, I would say that you're ruggedly handsome. 
<laughs> well, that's, like, that's like a girl. She's got a great personality. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I like that. Sounds good. And I was like, sitting there, I was like, you're just saying that because now you. <laughs> and uh, no, she she was. So now I, I've kept saying that over the years. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. I'm just ruggedly handsome. <laughs> you know, the last per- last question I ask all my guests, um, you know, because of the busy world that we live in, um, if I ask somebody to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I say, Trevor, I want you to do something in the next 24 hours, I want you to take an actionable step, you're more likely to do it. So if you know somebody that's struggling in their finances, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start the right the ship? <clears throat> um, probably the best piece of advice I can I can give somebody who's who's lost control of their finances is you know get out a bank statement and 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 start tracking your spending. Um, I mean, I think that's really most people that have financial trouble is because they're not keeping track of, of their, their finances every month. They don't, they don't really look at, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey is a big one on this. And I, I be honest with you, I can't stand him. Like, (laughs) I think, uh, I think a lot of his advice is terrible, but, but I think when it comes to debt and, and getting yourself right, I do agree with some of the stuff he's saying. You know, one of the big things he talks about cash, right? There's a there's a psychological aspect to spending cash. Um, when people have a credit card, they can just swipe, 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 and there's no, you know, it's like, oh, whatever. I don't see the pain until, you know, you check your bank account and you're like, whoa, I'm my two thousand dollars in the hole. Um, it's because people aren't keeping track of their stuff and. And that's that's a big one. Like if you don't know where it's going, like you know, well, why not? It's you know, there's 720 hours in a month. Take one of those a month. Go back and look at your bank bank statement and understand, uh, you know, what your spending habits are. How much am I spending on bills? How much am I? I'll tell you what. There's a lot of good apps out there. Mint is a really big one. Tiller Money. That's another really good one. Those are all great resources for keeping track of your money. Cause then they, they can go in and look at your purchases. They can categorize them and they'll say, Hey, you spent $900 on fast food this month. Um, yeah, you know, people don't realize, you know, that's $6 Starbucks coffee. And at the end of the month, yeah. you know, you're looking at a car payment, you know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, so I, I would say that that number one thing is like, start tracking your income and expenses because that's 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 how people do it and it's not hard you just uh you know it's it's something that you have to be mindful of maybe if you're in a bad spot and you're starting out maybe you start doing it weekly instead of monthly until you get a get things under control um but that's i just i i think that that's probably the best thing somebody can do starting out and in you know, with that too, find somebody you can trust, find somebody that you, you know, you think you get along with, you know, you have to be able to like them. If you're going to find somebody who's going to give you advice, you have to, you guys are going to have to like each other. <laughs> uh, otherwise it's just not going to work. Right. Cause that's ideally you get somebody who you can build a relationship and, and trust. And, and a lot of people and, don't realize, you know, that money and finances are very personal. You know, there's so many families that's been broken up, broken up over money. So, like you said, you have to find somebody that you can trust, but you also have to find, you know, somebody that you like, but also you have to find somebody that's going to say, listen, dude, you know, you're spending 400 hours a month on, on coffee, you know, buy a coffee, yeah. buy a coffee maker and see after a year, you know, you're looking at four grand that you can have as an emergency fund. So I totally what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say this too, like uh, in my experience working with clients where you get a married couple, where only one of the, one of the parties is involved in the process. It's, 
your chances of success go way down. Um, if you're married and you think you need help, then, you know, that needs to be another conversation that you guys have to have together and you have to go through that stuff together and, and make sure, cause I couldn't tell you that's another big one. Like if I'm talking to a guy who's getting out of the military, uh, and I'm like, Hey, you know, are you married? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, where's your wife? And, or your husband, and they're like, Oh, well, they didn't want to do this. And I'm like, all right, well, I want to stop here right now and, and, you know, require that you go get them because you're about to make some big decisions. If, you know, if, if you go talk to them again and say, Hey, he really thinks you should be here for this. Um, you know, and they still say no, then, you know, we'll, we'll work through it. But really, I think if you're married and, and you try to go through something like this, what's going to happen. And I've seen it happen time and time again. I even wrote an article about it too. Uh, you know, you take somebody through this process, you educate them on all this thing and you get them to understand like, Hey, here's why this is important. And then you get to the, to the solution presentation part of the process. And, and, you know, then they say, Oh yeah, this is great. Let me go check with my wife first. Right. It's like, why? Yeah. You just, you just wasted both of our times because you're going to go try to explain all this stuff that I've spent years, you know, all this accumulating this knowledge over these years and sharing it with you. And now, you know, because we sat down for three hour long discussions, you're going to go explain it to her and she's instantly going to be on board. No, (laughs) that's not what happens. What happens is, is the wife will go talk to some of her friends who probably are on a Facebook group or watch a YouTube video or two and, suddenly they're an expert and they're going to shut down, you know, all the stuff that, you know, me learning all about them and and their situation and what the goals are and putting together a plan that I know through my knowledge and experience is going to work for them. You know, their wife basically comes in and puts the kibosh on that because somebody in a a Facebook group said, no, that's, that's not the case. (laughs) So it's, it's something that it's a team sport, man. Yep. Well, you know, there you go, guys. So there's some actionable steps that you can take today and within the next 90 days to turn your finances around. Brother, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank our sponsor, Soldier Girl Coffee. If you love coffee, I make, I use her coffee every day. I actually make iced coffee out of it. So you need to check them out. Guys, follow us. Uh, we're on everywhere you can find us. Subscribe and share it means the world to us and we don't get paid we don't make any money from this podcast but we're trying to change the world one person at a time trevor thank you so much for hanging out with us today brother i appreciate you hey thanks for having me and uh hopefully we'll have uh richard on the get to vet podcast before i can't wait brother all right i love you thank you so much and go go have a great time with your family brother all right thanks man god bless good weekend